Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. Christ as my Lord and Savior. Um, I think on the 24th of September 2006, I first attended Kingdom Faith in Crowley. That was in Orio High School. And uh, I remember seeing, I think maybe just one, two or three faces from back then. And it's a great honor to be back. Um, it's it's a wonderful. I've kept friendship with some of you, uh, with Jeff and Elizabeth, and it's it's great to be to be here today. Thank you very much for having us. I'm married to Emma. Emma just wave, and God has blessed us with two children, Kak and Kyla, and we thank God for that. Hallelujah. Now, when Pastor Rohan asked me to come and speak, um, he asked me to come and speak about intercession. We've been in. Uh, a month of prayer, and we've been talking about prayer. And after prayer and fasting uh, three weeks, uh, we are continuing with the same theme. And today, we are just going to delve a little bit deeper on intercession. Now, what I want to do this morning is not so much so teach about intercession, but exhort you to intercede. There is a slight difference. Now, um, back in the day when we used to attend faith camps, we used to have what used to be called prayer academy. And in the prayer academy, we used to be taught about prayer. And like I said, in uh, when, at that time when you were watching us on TV, on, on, on the stream, is that we've heard so much about prayer. Books have been written about prayer. What is left is now for people to pray. Just the same as evangelism. We have heard so much about soul winning, so much about evangelizing, until that moment when someone decides that I'm going to step out and actually do the evangelizing. And so this morning, I just want to exhort us to uh, intercession. And I'm going to read some few verses. You will bear with me. Um, this has been one of my busiest weeks in my living memory. And I was not able to send the verses in time to the media team, so please bear with me. Uh, it's been, uh, I want to say, chock-a-block. In the last two two weeks, uh, I've had three relations, or three friends who've lost their loved ones. We buried the last one yesterday, so it was just an upheaval. It was just so, so, so busy. And um, I know that God is with us, and I know that you will flow and you will follow through. So if you may please turn with me to the gospel according to St. Luke chapter 11. It is so interesting that this morning we've heard about the Lord's Prayer. And I want to begin from there. A very interesting part, and because you've prayed the Lord's Prayer, I want to skip that part. And I want to go straight over to verse number 5. Verse number 5. For those who don't know me, I am an ordained minister of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've been ordained since the year 2016, and I also lead a global ministry known as Living Word Apostolic Ministry, where we go all over the world preaching the gospel. I am a member of Kingdom Faith Church based at Horsham. Yeah, and I live in Crowley. I live in West Green. So let's go to model prayer. That's what my Bible says, but I want to go to verse number five. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, let me three loaves. 
For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Verse 8, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and it shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be uh, opened. If a son ask, sorry, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Now, you might be wondering, what has this got to do with intercession? And I will come to that in just a short moment. Now, intercession, by definition, is praying for others and praying on behalf of others. It is praying for others and praying on behalf of others. <clears throat> to intercede means to intervene. It means to position yourself between two parties. And that is what I will be breaking down from the text that you just, uh, we've just read. So when we intercede, we find that in the Bible, we are told that we are co-working together with Christ and the Holy Spirit in their ministry. The Bible says we are Christ's co-workers. So Jesus, the Bible says, according to Hebrews 7 and verse 25, Hebrews 7 and verse 25, that Jesus lives forever to intercede with God on behalf of those who come to God through him. So Jesus is forever interceding for us at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Therefore, when we intercede, we are co-working with Jesus, petitioning God for others and on behalf of others. Praise the name of the Lord. Romans 6 verse 26. Romans 6 verse 26. I'm just laying a foundation. The Bible says the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groans that cannot be uttered. That means the Holy Spirit, as I taught in that video, that when you begin to pray in the will of God, you begin to pray in the Spirit. The Bible says, and I like it from the truth version, it says the Holy Spirit prays in us, he prays through us, and he prays for us. That is intercession. Verse 27, the Bible says he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit, even right now at this moment, he is interceding for you. When Pastor Rohan says pray in the Spirit, then the Holy Spirit is praying through you, interceding before God on your behalf. Because the Bible says we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes in us. Us, through us and for us. So when we call ourselves to intercession, we are co-working with the Holy Spirit. We are partnering with Jesus in their ministry. Hallelujah. The Bible says, 
uh, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 to verse 2. I'm a Bible teacher, so I will give you a little bit of scriptures that you can jot down and maybe go through them again. I don't know if this is recorded. Maybe you can go over it again and listen and take note. Yeah, I'm being told it's recorded. Uh, 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. The Bible says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, I just want to reiterate that when the Bible says men, it means all humans. All right. So in the Greek, it's written in the paternalistic tone, which means all humans, Adam, man, meaning you, man and woman. So that intercessions be made for everybody. So it doesn't matter who it is, as long as there is a breath in them, the Bible says that we are urged to pray for them. We are urged to pray for all men. Verse number two, the Bible says, and you pray for kings and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. I will come to that later. But many times we find that we tend to complain, to murmur, to whinge, and to just say bad and negative things about what is happening in the land. But the Bible here has called us to pray, not just for everybody, but even to pray for those who are in leadership, those who are in authority. We don't have to like them. We don't have to be in the same party as them. It might be a leadership in your workplace. It might be a leadership in your community. The Bible says if you want to live a quiet and a peaceable life, then you better be in intercession for those who are in authority. I will come to that in just a short moment. But here what I'm trying to show you is that the Holy Spirit is praying, Jesus is praying, and then we've also been called to pray. And you can find that in the whole Bible. There are so many examples in the Bible of men and women who interceded on behalf of others. I will show you just a few. If you go to the book of Genesis, we find Abraham fervently interceding for his nephew Lot. The Bible says that God revealed what was going to happen to the city where Lot was to Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham went before God and he interceded and Lot was saved from the uh, destruction that came to that city. So God saved Lot because of Abraham's intercession. When his son Isaac was uh, the wife to Isaac, Rebecca was unable to bear children. The Bible says that Isaac interceded for his barren wife, Rebecca, and God heard his prayer and opened her womb, and she was able to give birth to children. You know the story, Esau and Jacob. So here is an intercession of a husband upon the wife who has a situation, and God intervenes and changes the situation around. Are we still together? People in the Bible who interceded on behalf of others. And by the way, just to remind you that Lot was a nephew to Abraham. We find Nehemiah. When Nehemiah heard of how Jerusalem was, the Bible says that he interceded for the restoration of Jerusalem. And God used to, I mean, God used him to lead the people to rebuild the wall. And in just 52 days, the wall was completed. You can read that in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1 through to chapter 6. He prayed, he interceded when he heard that his home country was in trouble. And God not only heard his prayer, but he gave him favor and also used him to bring about the change that he needed to see. We've got Queen Esther. 
Queen Esther heard that their people were just about to be annihilated. And she intervened. She stood in the gap and she went before the king. And she was able to save a whole nation. Daniel, we've heard about Daniel. The Bible says when he was reading the word of God, it was revealed unto him that the time of captivity had come to an end. And the Bible says he began to pray and to fast. And for 21 days, he prayed and fasted, praying that the word of God be fulfilled to the nation of Israel. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came to him and said, from the day you began to pray, your prayer was heard and your prayer was answered. He was interceding for the restoration of the nation. Praise the name of the Lord. But let me just pause there and say something. You see, Daniel, he interceded because he was able to discover from the word of God that Jeremiah had prophesied and he was able to calculate and to know that the time for the fulfillment of the prophecy had come. Now, I step aside and say, uh, I'm not teaching on intercessor, I'm just exhorting you. That for you to intercede, more often than not, you've got to be standing on the word of God. You've got to know the promises to claim on the word of God. You've got to know the prophetic word that God has decreed. And then you use that word to intercede for somebody. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, let's go to the New Testament. We find some interesting examples of intercession in the New Testament. In the book of Luke chapter 1, we find, oh, sorry, Luke chapter 2, we find two interesting individuals. The Bible says there was a man called Simeon. And there was a woman called Anna. In fact, the Bible says that Anna was a prophetess. And these two people, they were not married to each other. In fact, the Bible says that Anna had been married for only seven years and the husband died. And she had stayed in the temple for 84 years, praying and interceding for the nation of Israel. The Bible says that she was old. Now, different Bible scholars have different ways of interpreting that text. Some say that she was widowed for 84 years, and others say that she was 84 years. It doesn't matter. The Bible says that she had been in the temple for many years, praying and interceding. The Bible says for the Messiah to come for the consolation of Israel. Are we still together? How many of you pray for your church, by the way? Thank you, sorry. I Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So here were two people for decades, 80 years plus, staying in the temple praying, God, fulfill your word. God, we need a Messiah. And the Bible says, especially Simeon, the Bible says that he was praying for the consolation of Israel. Then... Jesus is born and he is presented to them. And because they were prophetic intercessors, the Bible says they discerned immediately. Simeon said, I have now seen the salvation of the Lord. Your servant can depart in peace. And Anna thanked the Lord because the prayer she had been waiting for, the Bible says she was praying and fasting for 84 years. The answer had come. Then we also find an example of some people who came to Jesus to intercede on behalf of other people. We are told about a guy who was a centurion and he came to Jesus to petition or to intercede on behalf of his servants. I come to speak to managers here and people who employ others. How many times do you pray for your employees? Here was a man. Who was coming to, I mean, who came to Jesus, not to pray for his own need, but to pray for a soldier in his company because he was unwell. 
And I dare challenge people here today that it doesn't matter how bad they are, how, how, uh, how, how, uh, how difficult they are. You've got a responsibility to go before God and pray for them. I always say this because I am a lecturer. That if I can't pray for my student, no matter how much I wish them to change, that is just a wishful thinking. But when my desire for them to excel, when my desire for them to pass their exam supersedes just that, I go before God and I pray for them. Sometimes mentioning them by name before God. God, remember this student. They are struggling with this concept. God, I pray for intellectual ability. I pray that you may open their academic faculties that they may grasp this concept. Praise the name of the Lord. And I say this without a fear of contradicting myself that I've had a hundred percent success pass rates in some of my classes. Not because I'm the best teacher. In fact, I'm not the only teacher. There are other lecturers alongside me. But because I know I have prayed for them. Sometimes it's not even my subject they struggle with. It is other subjects. They struggle with maths. They struggle with different concepts. But when we pray to God on behalf of people we work with, our colleagues, your customers, God has a divine way of intervening. The Bible talks about a Syrophoenician woman who had come from the region of Tyre and Sidon. And she came to Jesus praying Jesus. Praying to Jesus, please heal my daughter who is at home because she is afflicted by a demon. Interceding because of your children. And then we also have another example from the same Bible of Martha and Mary. The Bible says when their brother Lazarus was sick, they called unto Jesus and they said unto Jesus, him who thou loveth is unwell. You know, I love King James Version. I think it sounds a little bit more Holy Ghost filled, you know. Him thou loveth is unwell. And the Bible says, you know the miracle? Jesus went down to Bethany after four days and brought him back to life. Were it not, had it not been for Mary and Martha interceding, we don't know how the story would have been. They are the ones who sent out a message. Come and rescue our brother for he is unwell. Then as we go down, we find that Jesus in the book of John chapter 17, Jesus interceded for the disciples. In fact, if you read John chapter 17, it's one of the most fervent prayers I have ever seen. Jesus is praying some deep stuff. And as he prays for the disciples, he says, I don't just pray for the ones that I am with right now, but I pray for the ones who will believe through them. That means you and I. And Jesus prayed for us before he went to the death on the cross. He interceded for us. Praise the name of Jesus. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, there is power in a praying church. The church was experiencing some persecution. And you know, a church that walks in love always bears each other's burdens. And the Bible says that there was a man by the name of Peter, Apostle Peter. He was kept in prison. Verse number five, the Bible says, but fervent and persistent prayer for Peter was being made to God by the church. We are not told about what Peter was doing. He was just in the prison waiting for him to be executed. He, they had just killed James and they knew that he's going to be the next one. But as he was there, maybe resigned to fate, maybe God, I have put my heart in order. I have put my affairs in order. I am ready to come home. There was a church somewhere in a house that they were praying. The Bible says fervently. The amplified version says fervent and persistent prayer. 
they were praying earnestly that God deliver this one. We saw the other one being killed, but this one, God, we refuse to let go. Save this one for us, oh God. And God delivered him miraculously through angelic intervention. And we know how Peter went on to be a mighty apostle thereafter. A church that walks in love always bears each other's burdens in intercession. And so we can continue on and on and on. James chapter 5 and verse 16, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another and then listen to this and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much. So here the trick is, or not the trick, the key is that we confess our sins one to another. And then we pray for one another that we might be healed. And then the Bible says, verse 17, the fervent prayer of a righteous person. When we pray for one another, the fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful in its effect. And even today we have so many testimonies. I know there are so many testimonies we can give about people who we know we have prayed for, about intercessions we know they were made for us. I remember one time I was preaching in a high school in a certain country and God gave me a very interesting scripture to preach from and it's a preacher about the rich man and Lazarus you know the story of the rich man and Lazarus and the story goes that Lazarus died and went to the bosom of Abraham and the rich man died and he went to hell and as Jesus is giving this parable he says uh, and there was communication between hell and heaven but something very interesting God showed me from that particular portion of scripture for that moment I'm not saying it's a doctrine I'm saying it's a revelation that I caught for that moment was that the, the, the rich man in hell at that particular time petitioned Abraham and he said Father Abraham why can't you send someone from there to go and warn my brothers on earth because I don't want them to come where I am for I am tormented in the flame. And then the response was, even if we sent an angel, they have so and so there, they have, Lo, they have Rohan there, they have whoever there. If they can't hear them, even if we send an angel from heaven, they will not hear. But that's not the point. My point here was, who knows? Maybe there is an intercessory meeting in hell going on for somebody on earth today who does not know Jesus that they should be saved and not go to hell. Who knows? The rich man was crying, tormented in the flame, petitioning, please send somebody to the earth that they may warn my siblings, they may warn my friends not to come to where I am. The power of intercession. Now, I want to go to a part I've put on my notes here, the importance of intercession so that I can exhort you to pray. And the first importance I've put of intercession, now that we have seen that the Bible is full of examples of intercession, is that intercession averts God's judgment. Intercession averts God's judgment. I remember back uh, sometimes last year when you were going through the book of Romans, Pastor Clive did a very powerful session on the wrath of God. Because many times we tend to, uh, uh, rightfully so, over accentuate the grace of God, that we forget that as much as we have the grace of God, there are the consequences of taking the grace of God for granted. The Bible says that do not take the grace of God for granted. All right? And 
if you if you look at that verse, it says, when you hear the word, do not harden your heart, uh, for this is a day of your salvation. Today is a day of your salvation. So don't take the grace of God for granted. So there are people who take the grace of God for granted. But the point here is that the graceful, merciful, loving God is also a God of judgment. And even though right now he is sitting on the throne of grace, there is a time when he will sit on the seat of judgment. And intercession, according to the word of God, as I will show you in just a short moment, is one way we can avert God's judgment. And why am I saying this? Because whoever does not believe God already stands condemned. That's what the Bible says. Jesus came to reconcile the world through him. That he might be reconciled to God. So whoever believes in him, the Bible says, will not perish but have eternal life. So the world is already judged. The devil is already judged. But we have the grace of God that leads to repentance and to salvation. Now here we find according to the word of God that the, I mean, the character of God and the nature of God is immutable. God does not change. His character remains the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has been from everlasting to everlasting. He remains the same. But from the word of God, we can see that our response to his word, our response to his decrees can avert his judgment decreed upon us. Are we still together? I'm going to speak some heavy stuff here. The Bible says from the book of Jeremiah chapter 18. Let me show you this. Jeremiah 18 verse 7 to verse 10. And I will show you this because I want to provoke in you a desire to start interceding for the land. It is not just enough to say there is a wave of immorality. It is not just enough to say there is a wave of this kind of sin and that kind of the other sin. It is not just enough to say we have an increase and an influx of satanic and demonic manifestation. You have a role to play because if you don't do something the wrath of God is coming that's a gospel you go back and listen to Pastor Clive's message the wrath of God is being released upon all unrighteousness and upon all wickedness but we have a role to play the Bible says Jeremiah chapter 18 verse 7 to verse 10 if at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted Torn down and destroyed. And if that nation I want repents of its evil, then I will relent and will not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Are we still together? Do you read your Bible? Some interesting portions of scriptures here. Then let's go to Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 14 to 16. Ezekiel 33, 14 to 16. Ezekiel 33, 14 to 16. And if I said to a wicked person, you will surely die. But they turn away from their sin and do what is just and right. Follow the decrees that give life and do no evil. That person will surely live, for they will not die. None of the sins that person has committed will be remembered against them. They have done what is just and right. They will surely live. 
So God is saying, if I declare, if so, if I declare death, if I declare judgment because of the sins and wickedness of the people, if the people turn around and change their ways, if they consider, then I will relent and I will forgive them. The Bible says that He never turns away anybody who comes to Him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if we call unto him for salvation, he says he will consider. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of life, I mean, but the gift of God through Jesus Christ is eternal life. That is a gospel we must preach. That the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. But unrepented sin will surely lead to death. The Bible says in the book of Ezekiel that all souls are mine and the soul that sinneth will surely die. By death here we mean eternal separation from God. So God is saying the judgment has been decreed against sin and unrighteousness. But if we turn around and become born again and become saved, then the Bible says we get into life. We are turned from death into life. The Bible says we are translated to the kingdom of his everlasting son, of his dear son. Therefore then, seeing that we can turn the judgment of God through repentance, where does intercession come in through here? To intercede means to come in between. So the intercessor is the one who comes in between God who has decreed a judgment and the people who are wicked. And the archetype of our intercessor here is Jesus Christ. That is what Jesus did on the cross. He mediated between a sinful world and a holy God and through him now we have access to God. That is the biggest, the best, the, the archetype of intercession and mediation. But our role to play in intercession is this. Look at the Bible in the book of James chapter 2, verse number 13. The Bible says that mercy triumphs over judgment. So our responsibility as intercessors is to plead before God for mercy. Oh God, remember mercy. Have mercy upon me. The Bible says that we have been given great and wonderful promises of God. The Bible says we can boldly approach the throne of God because you have been cleansed by his blood to, the, uh, to, to, to his throne. And we are going to obtain grace and mercy. So where we find grace is the same place where we find mercy. Grace is God giving you what you do not deserve. It's unmerited favor. Mercy is God not giving you what you deserve. Because by nature we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Grace gives us salvation and then mercy removes the judgment that we had as fallen sinful men. Are we still together? So the Bible says in the book of Psalm 106 verse 23. Let me show you this. Psalm 106 and verse 23. I will show you how intercession can invoke the mercy of God upon a family. How intercession can invoke the mercy of God upon a land. How intercession can invoke the mercy of God upon a church. That when there is destruction and death looming. When we intercede and we stand in the gap. Then God remembers mercy and he saves the people. Psalm 106 verse 23. This is a recounting of the, uh, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's David who is talking about what happened to the nation of Israel when they were coming from Egypt. You can read about this. I think it's in the book of Exodus chapter, I think it's 32 uh, or 22. And the Bible says here, 
Psalm 106 verse 23, they made an idol of calf at Sinai and bowed to worship their man-made stature. Verse 20, they preferred the image of a grass-eating ox to the presence of the glory-filled God. They totally forgot it was you who saved them by wonders and awesome miracles in Egypt. So you decided to destroy them. But Moses, your chosen leader, listen to this verse 23, Psalm 106 verse 23. But Moses stood in the gap between you and the people and made intercession on their behalf to turn away your wrath from killing them. You can stand and mediate between a person who is just about to perish. It is not just enough to call them a draggy. It is not just enough to call them that they are uh, that they are an alcoholic or whatever they might be, the condition they might be. You can stand in the gap and say, oh God, in your anger, remember mercy. And God will turn around the situation. The Bible says Moses' prayer was just one. The Bible says he prayed, pardon them, oh God. Pardon them. They have sinned, but forgive them. They have sinned. Pardon them. Verse number 28 to verse 30 of Psalm 106, the Bible says, They yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to lifeless God. They aroused the Lord's anger by their wicked deeds. But Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was checked. You go back and read the story of Phinehas when he saw people sinning at the tent of the meeting. And the Bible says he came with a spear and he killed them. And when he killed them, the Lord's anger was removed. In other words, an intercessor is a person who stands on behalf of a family, who stands on behalf of a nation and averts the anger of God and removes the wrath and the judgment of God and there is salvation. God is calling upon you to do that today. You do not have to witness another unfortunate death. You do not have to witness another sad case of an early death because somebody has died in sin. Today God has positioned here that you may hear this message. That it is a prayer of my heart. I will pray for that person. I will pray for that family. I will pray for that church. I will pray for that city. I will pray for that country. That the wrath of God will be checked and the mercy of God will reign supreme. God would have destroyed them had Moses and Phinehas not intervened. Number two, God is looking for an intercessor. I said important things to understand about intercessions. Number one, I said uh, the intercession averts the judgment of God. Number two, God is looking for someone. It is one thing for us to hear that God is looking for someone and a totally different thing for you to identify yourself as that someone. That God is looking for someone. Let me show you this. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 to verse 14, a text that we know very well. The Bible says it's God responding to the dedication of the temple. And he says, if I shut up the heavens that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, verse number 14, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. So God is saying, peradventure that I close up the heavens, there is no breakthrough, things are not working, the economy is messed up, things are just going down south. He says, if those things ever happen to you, where are my people? 
if my people who are called by my name shall pray, shall humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. The Bible says, I will heal from heaven. I will forgive the sins and I will heal the land. God is looking for his people to stand in the gap. God is looking for someone to arise. I will arise on behalf of Crowley. It doesn't matter what wickedness happens in Crowley. It doesn't matter what kind of innocent blood is shed in Crowley. It doesn't matter how many brothels are in Crowley. It doesn't matter how much devil worshiping there is in Crowley. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive the sins of Crowley and I will heal the land. Isaiah 59 verse 1 to verse 16, the Bible says, I'll not read the, the, the whole of that text, but it gives a detailed an account of God's people. And verse 16, the conclusion is this, and God saw that there was no man and wondered why there was no intercessor. So God is indicting his people for their sins. But he says, hang on a minute. The land is messed up because there is no one to stand in the gap. The family is going to the dogs because there is no one to stand in the gap. This company is grumbling and coming to an end because there is no one to stand in the gap. Verse 16 of Isaiah 59, and God saw that there was no one. He wondered why there was no one to intercede. Ezekiel 22, verse 23 to 31 again. One, another time that God presents a picture of people who are in deep spiritual need. But look at verse number 30. I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me and on behalf of the land and that I should not destroy it. And I found no one. What a desperate cry from the heart of God. There was a spiritual condition in the land. And God said, I don't want to do the thing that I want to do. I don't want to do this because my word is true and my word will still be fulfilled upon this land. But let me look. Is there anybody who is standing in the gap between the land and between me? The Bible says, before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. And God's heart is broken. He says, I found no one. No one. To bridge the gap. No one to build the hedge or wall of protection. There are many people to criticize. There are many people to complain. So many people to condemn and to point fingers. But where is that one person to stand in the gap? Is your work just to moan and complain? Why are we in this small room today, not in our usual room? Why are we not doing this and not the other? Where is the person to intercede for your own building? I just challenged you right there and you missed it. Where is that person who can go to the gates of heaven and say, God, kingdom of faith, Crowley, we need our own building in the name of Jesus. We are tired of moving from one hall to the other. We want our building in Jesus' name. And I come to declare that here and to provoke your faith. Can we believe God for your own building? Hallelujah. Gold and silver belong to him. Even a, 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 a cut on a thousand hill belong to him. God can give you as per your desire. Your own building that you can occupy Monday to Monday, Sunday to Sunday and do your meetings there. Praise the name of the Lord. And Pastor Rohan can have a wonderful corner office there somewhere where the kids can come and do all their own things. Praise the name of Jesus. With your own baptistry in there where you can do your own baptisms. Hallelujah. With your own studio where you can do your own productions. It is possible. 
Where is that person to stand in the gap and petition God for this? Praise the name of the Lord. Where is the intercessor? I want to conclude with the text we have just read. So the Bible says that there was a man who had a friend. And this friend came to him at night and he needed bread. And knowing that he didn't have anything to give to him, he went to another friend who had bread and began to intercede. Now, I want you to put yourself in that position. You are the person who receives a visitor in the night. You are the person who they call when they have trouble. You are the person who God gives the eye to see a family that needs deliverance. You are the person whom the Holy Spirit puts a burden to pray for a certain sister who's not been coming to church. And the Bible says that this particular person went to the friend who had the solution. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our needs and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. When is the last time you went to that friend who has everything and every solution and say, God, I have a visitor in the night. I received a text message yesterday. I was telling my wife this morning. Yesterday, a colleague of mine told me the husband has just been diagnosed with cancer. And she said, I have not told anybody here. You are the only person I have told. God, why me? Because I have a friend in Jesus. I can go to and pray, God, I have a friend whose husband is sick. It might be you. Why is it you they come to all the time? Why is it you who sees that problem? Because you have a friend who have a solution to whatever they need. But you might be asking yourself, what about me? Who's going to pray for me? Let me tell you the power of intercession. When you pray for others, God makes happen for you what you need. I'll give you two examples and I close. The Bible says, God told Abraham, pray for Abimelech and I'm going to save him and his life because whatever he's done, I'm just going to kill him if you don't pray. Now listen to this. This is interesting. The Bible says, Genesis chapter 20, that every woman in Abimelech's family was barren. Their wombs were stopped. Read your Bible. And here is Abraham whose wife is also barren. And God tells him, pray for the women in Abimelech's family that I might heal them and, and stop their wombs. Abraham did not start asking God, what about me and my wife is still barren? How can I pray for them and mine needs a miracle too? The Bible says that Abraham prayed. In fact, the Bible says God called him a prophet. He said he prayed for the wombs of the women in Abimelech's family and God opened their wombs. Genesis chapter 21, the Bible says, and God remembered Sarah and he confirmed to her the good word he had spoken. The next chapter is you as brothers and sisters. You are just wallowing there, not wanting to do it. I'm not going to pray for them. Because I'm not, how can I pray for them to have a house? I'm still living in rented accommodation. I'm still living in shared accommodation, accommodation and they're telling me to pray for their house. Pray for them to get a house. Yours is next. Pray for them to get a job when you're still jobless because your job is on the way. Pray for them to get a promotion when you're still, you know, things are not very good because your promotion is next in line. I'll give you another example. The Bible says there was a man called Job. Job chapter 42. Go read your Bible. And the Bible says unto, unto some people there, he says, you've been very foolish in the way you're talking and I'm going to destroy you. But go to the man you've been talking to about me. That is Job. 
Go to him in his leprosy. Go to him in his condition. He is going to pray and lay his hands on you. The leprous hands. Okay? And I will hear his prayer. The Bible says these four men went to Job in his leprosy, in his condition. Job did not ask God, how can I pray for them and I have leprosy? How can I pray for them and my children are dead? How can I pray for them and my wife is telling me to curse you? I am destitute. Everything I have is God. God, why should I pray for them? You first of all bless me and then I can pray for them. Job never said that. The Bible says that Job laid his hands on them and he prayed for them. The Bible says, and God heard the prayer of Job. Next verse. Next verse. The Bible says, and God turned the fortunes of Job. And his latter days were better than the previous days. Might it be that your breakthrough has not come because you're just concentrating on praying for me instead of praying for others? Might it be that your breakthrough has not come because you're just seeking my own Lord, bless me and bless me indeed and bless me some more. Now, before you pray again for God to bless you, how about you pray for someone else who needs a blessing? How about you pray for somebody else who needs some sanity? How about you pray for somebody else who needs some healing? And in you praying for their healing, God is going to heal you. One time my dad was in a hospital. And he was hospitalized for seven weeks undergoing treatment in 2017. And he was in a cubicle. There were two of them. There were two beds. And for each of those seven weeks in that cubicle, there were seven patients on the other bed. They would come. My dad would pray for them. They would get healed, get discharged, and then come to visit him in the hospital. But he never complained for one single minute. Whatever had taken him to that hospital was enough to take him out. It was bad. It was serious. But for those seven weeks, and I'm telling you this, today, seven years later, my dad is still alive. Praise the name of Jesus. You're praying for something. Today, I came to challenge you. Pray for someone who has a need. Let's all close our eyes before God. Father, I thank you. And I glorify your name. I don't know if you've got some background music that you can give me as I conclude this. Just think about that family that you know. I know you have a need. I I know you have a need. You want God to come through for you right now. But just for a minute, just think about someone who is not saved. You are the one in between. You are the burden bearer. Think about someone who is too sick or incapacitated to pray for themselves anymore. Someone whose faith levels are too low with the Lord. They are at a crisis of their faith. Someone who is too weak in the world to possess any promises. Someone who has very little, if any, personal relationship with the Lord. Think about what you want in the church. Think about that thing you are seeing in the nation. Are you just complaining about the leadership, complaining about the economy, complaining about how hard economically it is? And just tell the Lord, Lord, I come before you. And I pray for so and so. I pray for your intervention in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these short moments you've given us to just have an exhortation on intercessory. Many times we have focused on our own needs. We have focused on our own inadequacies and our own 
shortcomings and what we don't have, our own deficiencies, Lord. And you have majored on those in prayer. Today, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you may shift our focus. Giving us a burden to pray for one another in the name of Jesus. Give us a burden to pray for those who are sick and those who are ailing, oh God, even though we might be still going through treatment. Give us a burden to pray for the church, oh God. Not to whinge and complain and moan and murmur, but Lord, to bring every need to you in prayer in the name of the Lord. That every negativity today becomes a prayer point in the name of Jesus. I command every negativity to become a prayer point in the hearts and souls of men in Jesus' name. Father, we have gossiped and talked about that family, about that sister, that brother. Today we convert all that into prayer points in Jesus' name. We shall no longer gossip, we shall no longer talk about it, God, to any other before we come to you. We present every need a case to you, Lord, in the name of the Lord. Lord, we intercede for our pastors. We intercede for our leadership. We intercede for our nations, oh God. Oh, we pray that God in your anger remember mercy in the name of Jesus. Where we have fallen short of your glory, my God, I pray that you may remember mercy and turn the hearts of men and women back to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for crisis zones in the world, conflict zones in the world where many people are dying and losing their lives and living a dangerous and a bad life. God, today, we pray for your intervention in the name of Jesus. We remember the persecuted church in many zones in the world. We pray that God, you may remember them and offer help from Zion in the name of Jesus. We remember the sick in the hospitals today. We pray for your healing upon them in the name of Jesus. For those who are mourning their hearts are down, God. We pray for your comfort upon them in the name of Jesus. For those who are living with mental anguish, mental health cases, anxiety, we pray for their healing in Jesus' name. Let depression be broken. Let anxiety be broken in the name of Jesus. Every anxiety be lifted up now in Jesus' mighty name. We pray for families that are broken right now. We pray for reconciliation in the name of Jesus. We pray for children who have turned their backs onto you, O God, and they have gone in the way of the world. We call them back now in the name of Jesus. We pray that none of them will be lost. None of them will perish, oh God. Wherever they are right now, like the prodigal son, let them come back to their senses. We call them back to you, Jesus, right now in the name of the Lord. We call them from drugs. We call them from addiction. We call them from immorality. In the name of Jesus. Father, we intercede for this church. Let your anointing continue flowing. Let your grace continue flowing in the name of the Lord. We pray for the leadership. We pray for, for, for Pastor Rohan and the family. We pray for Pastor Clive and the family in the name of the Lord. Deal with them graciously in the name of the Lord. We pray for renewed strength, oh God. We pray for more grace in Jesus' name. We pray for a double anointing in Jesus' name. Whatever it be the desire in their hearts, oh God, may you bring it to fruition, oh God. I pray for kingdom faith, crawling congregation. Let your glory be upon each and every member in the name of Jesus. 
Hear them, oh God, when they call unto you. Answer them when they call unto you in Jesus' name. And today, God, we pray for their own building in the name of Jesus. We don't know how, we don't know when, we don't know where, but God, you know, we call it forth now in Jesus' name. We call it forth now in Jesus' name. We call it forth now in Jesus' name. For it's not by power, not by might, but by your spirit. We thank you, we glorify your name. Maybe you are here and you're not saved. And you're saying, I'd like to give my life to Jesus. Jesus mediated and he is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you that your soul may never perish. You are here and you're not saved and you're saying, I'd like to give my life to Jesus. Just show me with your hand and we shall pray together with you. Anyone here who's not saved and you're saying this, you're not saved? You'd like to get saved? Yeah, would you like to get, yeah? Hallelujah. 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 Is there anybody else? Anybody else who's saying, I would like to give my life to Jesus? Hallelujah. So I would like to request everybody to stand up on your feet and just direct your hands towards this young man. Father, I thank you for this wonderful Hisham Lord. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for that boldness, courage to lift up his hand, Lord. And the prayer of confession. We believe that by faith it is done in the spirit right now. The Bible says that the man believes in the heart and confesses the mouth unto salvation. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus for the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we pray for your blessing upon him. In the name of Jesus, we pray for the blood of Jesus that is able to blot out anything written against us in accordance with the book of Colossians chapter 3. That right now, there's total deliverance upon his life in the name of Jesus. By the reason of the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost, we sever him from his past life of sin in Jesus name in the name of the Lord we pray from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, his soul, his mind, his body. In Jesus' name, right now, they are dedicated to God. He will serve you, O oh God. Fill him with your Holy Spirit in the name of the Lord. Let him walk in the newness of life in the name of the Lord. We pray for joy abundant. We pray for peace abundant. In the name of Jesus, we pray God, by the reason of his decision, his life will change for the better. In the name of the Lord, he will know prosperity. He will know increase. He will know blessings in Jesus' name. The Bible says that you doth perfect all that which concerns us, O God. I pray for everything concerning his life right now. That Lord, you may bless it, O God. Bless his family. Bless the work of his hands. Bless whatever he does in the name of the Lord. We declare him blessed and they that you have blessed no man can curse. Right now we take power and authority as a church. We rebuke any work of the enemy upon his life in the name of Jesus. We destroy the yokes of the devil in the name of Jesus Christ and we declare that he is blessed and my God I pray that you may keep him and sustain him you who is able to keep us from falling that when the roll is called up yonder when the saints go marching in he will be among the number amen and amen amen God bless you God bless you amen amen hallelujah 
Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.